this meeting's being recorded. I'll edit that part out. Um, no, I'm here with Lauren Conlon. This has been one that I've been waiting to do for actually a while. I've been wanting to get you on for like since I've heard you on the Exodus Cartel um, because it's my favorite podcast. And then I was a guest on their show. And like right after I was a guest, I was like, hey, Jeff, can you put in a word for me? And thank you, Jeff, so much um, because it was, it's so much easier when you have other friends who are like in contact with you more often uh, to get people on the show. And so I'm really excited to have you on. Um, IFBB Pro, uh, one of the few, I think I've had like two or three now or something on this show. So it's kind of cool to kind of have coaches who are also IFBB pros to come on. Um, but welcome to the Aces Beta podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I'm, ex- I'm happy that you were excited for me to be on, little old me. Um, but yes, shout out to the Excellence Cartel. They do a really great job with their podcast. Um, I love those guys. I love presenting with them. And, you know, we, we have the Physique Education Collective that we go and we travel and we speak. So it's really fun to be able to not only know them from the social media world, but also to be able to, you know, know them in person and see how awesome they are. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really want to get to one of those. Like I was so, I was going to go, but then like my, I ended up moving and like my job. So like the next time they host one, I'm probably going to end up going just because. I Yay. Yeah. We try to do them. two a year. So yeah, well, I'm hoping we'll see. I kind of want to go to the one in St. Louis too. That one, that yeah. one seems pretty cool too. So we'll Not see. I'm always, I'm always investing money into things and I'm just like, ah, oh, I may as well just do another trip, you know? I mean, that's how you got to do, do it. That's that's the only way for anybody listening who's interested in how oh how how did you go here? That's so cool. Uh you pay to go there, right? Like anytime I go to an event, it's like, oh, you're so lucky. It was like, no, I I I paid to be here. And if you like now, obviously there's times where you have to save. Like for uh this year I went to the muster for my second time, which is Echelon Fronts event. If anybody's familiar with Jocko Willink and, and their group, and um it's a big investment. And the first time I made it, like that was a big like wow this is a big pivot in my business and I need to you know save the money and, and set this aside so if there are events you guys that you want to go to um, I would say hands down the best learning is always done in person because it's not just about the information it's about seeing how somebody's presenting it um, again understanding their body language their tone their presentation getting to talk to them ask live questions all those types of things are so vital to an in-person event and then of course you get to meet people while you're there as well so there's so many benefits um so if there are places that you're like, oh, i really want to see these people speak find out you know roughly how much it's going to cost start saving the money now and maybe you can't do it this year but maybe you can do it next year and that's something that i really encourage people to to do and it's it's been the biggest change in my business um when i started doing that um, was okay, you know, every year I'm going to try to invest in one of these events that I want to go to and I have to save the money ahead of time for it, but this is what I want to do. Yeah, I know that's actually really funny because I don't think a lot of people understand how much as coaches we invest back into like what we do. Um, I was talking with someone and they were like, how much have you, how much have you put into like your coaching? Like, cause one of my athletes asked me and I was like, probably close to like six, seven grand in the past, like seven, eight months, like in general. And they're like, you're like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, I'm literally every single, probably every single dollar I've made as a coach, it goes back into learning because it just pays off. So I don't think people understand how much we truly invest in trying to become better as coaches and better as people. Yeah. I would say it's also a better, you know, you as a better person can become a better coach and, you know, it's all about investment with education and communication and learning and whatever you need to grow. If that's more of like the science area or more of the business area, more of the leadership area, like whatever it is, um, you know, focus on that to start and then kind of go from there. I know that's not what you wanted to open with. I'm sorry. I kind of totally derailed the podcast, but no, this is a, this is a, it goes anywhere. Trust me. I'm a rabbit hole podcaster. It literally like it's whatever, but, um, let's give an intro to who you are. I kind of gave you your IFBB pro, but let's actually give you a formal intro. I'll let you kind of take the floor and um, talk about yourself a little bit. Oh, great. All right. Well, my name is Lauren Conlon. I am an IFBB bikini pro. Um, I also have my master's in exercise science. I did that with Dr. Bill Campbell. Um, and we looked at how different types of diets affect weight loss and weight regain. So that became 
focus of my coaching um, moving forward as well. Um, and I started coaching, started Team Local Fit in 2013 um, as a you know solo person. It's a very, very small business. Um, then when I graduated from the master's, I took that full time. And then in 2018, I brought, on, I brought on my first coach, Jillian. And then now we have a team of three. So it's myself, Jillian, Karina, and Sam. And we all uh, coach. We have a team podcast called the Team Local Fit Roundtable. So we focus a lot on the practicality of coaching. Um, and one thing that I've really started to see a lot is there's so many people who have a really good base of knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it in a coaching setting, which is what we really try to focus our content and particularly our podcast on. It's not just about, hey, here's education. It's also how are we applying this as coaches? So I would say that that's kind of a quick little rundown. (laughs) (laughs) I wear many hats and I'm interested in a lot of things. Most of them are not relevant, but... (laughs) What's the, what's the one thing, then what's the one thing that you're interested in that does not involve fitness? Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it's all relevant, right? But like, you know, I'll spend a lot of my free time in particular, especially over the past few years, learning a lot more about psychology. Um, Clearly relevant to the business. It's just not what I, you know, formally studied Um, up until this point. I haven't gone back to get a degree in that area, which I might, who knows. But for now, it's just kind of informal study. Um, And it's become a big fascination of mine, not just being interested in it, um, but just all how can I apply this to clients? But there's a lot of stuff, you know, okay, shadow work that is not applicable really to my clients, but I'm interested in it. Or for example, like Lex Fridman's podcast or Sam Harris or people like that, like, I don't really like consciousness and all of this doesn't really matter for my coaching business, but it's interesting in my world. Um, so I would say that there's just certain things that I kind of go down these like rabbit holes with, you know, that group of people. And I just, I just love very intellectual people. And even if it's not applicable to me directly, I still like to learn from those people because people who are smart and highly intellectual, no matter what they're talking about, you can still pick something up, right? I'm not an evolutionary biologist, clearly, but I love Brett Weinstein's an evolutionary biologist doesn't mean that I can't learn from him and his perspectives. Um, so it's just certain things like that, that I've just really opened my, you know, I've been able to open my time and energy to, because I'm not in school. You know, when you're in school, you can't really do much besides, okay, focus on what I have to do. Um, but now I try to just learn about a lot of different things and hopefully they're fun day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so I just got, so I just graduated in May of 2020 and like, you don't realize how much free time you have once you're done school. You're like, you don't have to like, it's like, you don't have to go to class. It's like your class is like work, except after that, there's nothing else. It's like, what do you yeah. do with all this? Like, what do you do with all this free time? And you're just like, what I do, I, I kind of do the same thing. I listen to like old school Joe Rogan, like podcasts. Like I'll go back and listen to like Jordan Peterson or like Sam Harris. Oh, like, dude. All Peterson. these guys. He has, Peterson has a great podcast um, and I love the information he puts out, especially on his podcast, because it's, it's very conversational and they're, they're just, they're openly discussing and challenging ideas. So it's not even like, Hey, let me like ask you all these specific questions. Like they're just having an intellectual discussion, (laughs) which is so rad in my opinion. And it could be something that I'm totally not interested in, but I can honestly listen to him talk about anything. So I'm like, all right, if, if he's putting it out, I'll probably find value in it in some capacity. Yeah. Um, He's amazing. If you can ever, if he ever does another tour, I went and saw him in 2018, I think. Um, totally worth it. Like I sat there and I was just like, wow, like whew, I really need to step my, can we like get a little smarter? <laughs> like, he's just, he's so intellectual and such a good speaker. Um, but yeah, all those people, like it's always fun because with what happens is you, you, there's only so much brain power that we have in a day. Like it doesn't how you know how much capacity you have as a human being there's only so much to be to learning more things um, and being productive in that way so when you're in school like you kind of have a singular focus for a reason because you have to do really well um, and depending on the program it might be really really rigorous certain area and you just kind of don't have any other brain power to do much else you know so like I applaud people if they can, but I would say that the majority of people like just focus on what you're doing yeah. <laughs> and then get through it. And then afterwards you can learn all the other cool shit that may or may not be relevant. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's what I did. I was kind of like, that's when I started investing in like in my coaching was when I got through like my senior year. Like I started coaching back like midway through my senior year. 
So I was like, I didn't really like spend, like I spent a lot of my time actually doing it because we got into quarantine like halfway through my last semester. So I was just like, oh, what else am I going to do when I'm sitting at home all day? Just read books on fitness the whole time. Uh, but yeah, no, you're totally right. But now I want to get to <laughs> you a little bit. Um, so I want to know kind of your journey to IFBB Pro. Like what, I feel like a lot of people don't understand how much kind of sacrifice commitment it is to even get to IFBB Pro. So kind of just take us through that and then take us through like that moment when like your name got called and they said like IFBB Pro. Yeah, so it was, I started as a competitor in 2011. It was my first show. I was 19. And um, I didn't really know much of what I was getting into. Right, I'd seen a show for the first time the year before. So I was 18, just graduated high school. I'd started training at this like super meathead gym, which I didn't know was a super meathead gym. I just thought all gyms were super cool like this. It was like me, like 4.30. It was like me and a group of like three guys always training. Like, <laughs> all different ages, all different backgrounds. Didn't matter. We were like getting jacked like that was the goal and that summer I started personal training people and basically I was at the gym all day I was training people yeah. I was helping out with like a summer fitness thing with like kids and then I was just lifting um and then I saw this show and I was like wow this is so cool and uh at the time so 2010 bikini had just started um it was very different than it is now um so I was very drawn to the figure competitors um and again figure was very different then than it is now yeah. right like over 10 years later so saw a figure decided to go I got to Florida State uh realized that wow what the community that I was in is very different than the, most of the community that's here <laughs> um I was the only girl really who was lifting that was fun um I was not used to that you know I was used to like everything was a very you know, unique group. And I literally got to the gym and they were like, oh, here's the girls section. Like again, 2010. And I was like, huh? Like, I don't, what are you talking about? I've, I lift all the time. Anyways, very different kind of culture group, but I was still always the meathead. I was still always training, you know, almost every day doing cardio, doing whatever, very invested in it. And then, um, but I was like, I don't know about this whole show thing, you know, like nobody here is like, doing shows. And um, cause I'd yet to meet the the subset at the other gym um yeah. but still even that subset was still like super small yeah um so anyways I come back home and I was in, you know decent shape but I came back home for the summer and one of my trainers who was at the gym Sunny um she was a trainer and, and, a, and a judge and she was like no you need to do the show and I was like it's in a week she's like you should do the show I was like okay <laughs> and she was this very like forward German woman who was like she tells you what to do and you're like oh okay I'm doing this yeah. like right so I decided to do the show. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest, if I'm looking back, I'm like, okay, but I really didn't look terrible for an eight week prep and, you know, doing my first show, but, um, you know, so I did that and I was like, Man, this was pretty cool. But if I want to compete again, like I really clearly need some more muscle. Yeah. Um, so I took two years off. And then when I was you know, 21, I started competing pretty heavily again. Um, so then pretty much competed for like two years straight um, to then turn pro. So I started off as a figure competitor, realized pretty quickly at a national level that I was not up to par <laughs> for the uh, muscle maturity and the density. Yeah. So I decided again, I was super like oh, bikini, like no. And, um, but I was at a, I was at an event and Diana Dahlgren was there. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She used to, she used to be a big bikini competitor. Yeah. Um, and she was at the event and she was like, you need to do bikini. And I'm like hitting like my most like muscular figure pose. And I'm like, no, look at my, She's like, you need to do bikini. And I was like, fine, like whatever. So I jumped into a qual, I got a suit, jumped into a qualifier, had shit posing. Um, I ended up winning and I was like, okay, okay, I guess I'll try this bikini thing. So I'd already had the national shows like planned out. Yeah. So I went to the first national show. Now is it, this is my this is my third national show, but my first is a bikini competitor. Okay. Um, I ended up getting fifth and I was like, oh, okay. Normally I'm like getting last call outs, you know what I mean? So this is, this is a, a substantial increase. And then I was like, well, let me do another one. So I did another one and I got third and top two was the, was the, the, um, the pro card. So I made that awkward decision. Like, all right, I've already been prepping for now, basically coming up on like two years. We have this awkward block of time for nationals. Um, I graduated my undergrad and I started grad school and I was like, what should I do? Um, and I decided at this time I was working with Lane Norton and we pretty much decided, you know what, like, we're just going to do this. Like I've already come so far this year. Let's just see what we can do. So I ended up going to nationals in Miami. 
2014 and I won my class, which was obviously incredibly exciting. Yeah. And then when you had the overall, um, I ended up winning the overall as well. Okay. So it was, uh, it was like 10 shows to get there, five national shows going from figure to bikini, like so much prepping. Um, but everything just that day like everything and bikini is not just about your physique it's about everything else so yeah. posing hair makeup tan suit like the whole package I was super confident like everything about it was just like I've nailed this um even going from okay I just won to now I have to go back on stage for the overall like I was just like super chill like okay cool going back up there here's a sip of water like good to go like I was just like in that zone yeah um so it all like all the stars kind of aligned that day so it was really really exciting and um you know obviously I had worked you know there's people who do less shows than that people who do way more shows than that um but I you know had worked pretty hard up until that point and it was cool because you know I kind of just came into that and didn't you know a lot of people think you have to do all these things you know know all these people and you know of course I, I'd grown up in South Florida I'd gone to a lot of shows I knew a lot of people but I wasn't going in there with like all this hype or like oh I, like people think like oh in order to earn this pro card I gotta like do a thousand shows or like no overjudge and it was like no like you also have to be the best you yeah. know so that day like is my best um and it all just kind of came together and it was really it was just it was awesome and um because it was in south florida i had a lot of people were able to come which was which was also a really fun experience um but yeah and then from there i competed um stupidly i made a lot of mistakes as a pro so that was a great kind of segue and um you know for those years leading up to it, I was very resilient. My body was very resilient. Um, I kind of put it through the ringer and kept bouncing back and then it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point it always stops. Um, and that's where I learned a lot, not just as an athlete, but also as a coach moving forward. Um, and like I said, I had already started coaching, but it was very, very, you know, kind of part-time just with being in school and doing research and all that. Um, but all of those mistakes that I made along the way, really impacted how I coach now and even though I, I don't call myself retired I'm just not competing but so I'm competing um but I still use lessons that I learned for those eight years of competing with clients now so how did that journey then because I want to get into this because you kind of kind of alluded to it um how did this journey to become a pro and doing like all these shows and then hopping into like a pro show really affect like your relationship with food, life, and your health? Because I think a lot of people, um, the more I coach more women, um, the more I understand about how much dieting really does take a toll on it. And you said you did it for two years and your body was resilient and then it just like hit a brick wall. So can you kind of go through like how it kind of affected like those three things? Because I find the two biggest ones are food and health always. So yes. um, you want to dive into that? Um, yeah. So a little background. I had an eating disorder very young. So I was always very conscious of my food intake to a yeah. disordered level. Um, very, very restrictive eating. I, I was diagnosed as an anorexic uh, for many years. And then um, early on, like eight, 10, that kind of whole range. And then going up into middle school, um, right before high school, everything. And it got settled. But then as soon as I got to high school, um, I was like, all right, I was riding horses at the time. I used to show horses competitively. I was showing horses. Um, I was running track, cross country, doing all these things, super, super active. I found the gym. Okay, I'm going to start lifting weights. I do spin class. Like I was always doing stuff. So I came from a very hyperactive, very food conscious background, yeah. which I do think obviously played a role as well. Um, so there's no way that we can know how much of an impact that had on me, um, and still has on me now, but it was one of those things that I was always very conscious of that and always kind of in that mindset. Um, and then when I did my first show, like I said, I, you know, I did it on that like eight week prep. And then for those next two years, I was kind of in that building phase. You know, I'm going to like train, I'm going to train hard. Um, and I'm going to, you know, do the normal college thing. I'm gonna, I don't drink a lot on the weekends, but I was always like meal prepping, even in my dorm, you know, like I was always here. I was started off as a dietetics major. And then I eventually moved to exercise science. So I was always very into, you know, being well and, you know, training hard and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, after I did those shows and getting to stage lean levels of body fat is a totally different ball game. And you can stop like a few pounds short and not see nearly as many 
problems um, or, you know, adaptations, as we like to call it in the literature, um, and is a nice way of saying it. But, you know, you stop short of a lot of those issues, right? Um, but when you dive into the stage lean and you have to in order to compete, um, it becomes very, very different. Um, the other thing that I always try and tell people about competitions, and this is something that I think has gotten better, but I think that we need to continue this conversation, is clients and people interested in competing need a understanding of what they're getting into. This is not a casual diet. This is not, I want to have abs. This is not, uh, you know, let me just see how, you know, should I just try this? Like, I'll just kind of make it. It's not a casual goal. Um, you are standing in front of strangers being judged on your appearance. And if you are not mentally prepared for that, you are going to have hell afterwards if you don't win and the chances of you winning are i don't know one out of 20 i mean there, it's a small percentage because there's only so many people who win yeah. <laughs> um even if it's a small show yeah. they're still good you're likely not the only person in your class um so if you are not prepared for the psychological effects of that coupled with the physiological effects of being stage lean you are going to have a really hard time and the more that you do that without the understanding of what this is about it becomes very challenging. Um, and it becomes kind of this self-feeding thing because what ends up happening is you're like, oh, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a naive thinking. I'm just going to do a show and everything's going to be great. And I'm going to unlove my body. I'm going to have a great time. It looks so fun on Instagram. All these people having a great time. And then you do it and you realize that getting there is really, really fucking hard, which is fine. As long as you understand that that really, really hard period cannot be your life 365 days a year because yeah. your body will give out at some point um and you also what happens is people will then get to they'll forget all the hard stuff because then the, the great day happens and you peak and you look perfect and you've had some carbs and everybody's giving you compliments and you're having all this high from like the show like everything's great and then you're like oh my god i want to do that again and then because again there's all this crazy stuff going on the physiology and the psychology meeting and everybody wants to like take you out to eat and like all this stuff and you're starving and you're like, oh my gosh, treats, treats, dinners. And then it's a week later and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm, I gained all this weight back. I feel terrible myself. <gasps> Another show. Let me prep again. And then you do that a few times in a row and each prep gets harder and harder. And then eventually you end up in a position, whether you realize it or not, that is not a good spot. And that's where I basically, and you can have all the right intentions. Um, but even if you, you know, even if you have all the right intentions, you still have to understand how that's going to affect your body. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the right intentions. They do it because, not because they want to be a competitive athlete. They do it because they're like, well, I, I kind of want, like, this looks cool. And then they just get sucked into it in this like negative way. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. And I would say that for me personally, um, after, you know, doing those shows, it just kind of kept getting progressively harder. I really should have taken off after my last, after turning pro, I should have said, all right, I, I've, you know, kind of done this thing back to back. I'm running my research. I'm in this really stressful period. Like, let me just kind of get through it. Yeah. Um, but I had gotten so used to, I'm Lauren, the competitor. So I must be doing these things all the time. And I kind of got in my own head, like, oh, if I'm not there, I'm not relevant. You know, that whole stupid idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Maybe you're not relevant, but if you look like shit, you're still not going to place. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. I narrowed. I did what I always tell people now not to do. I said, I'm going to do this, this show pinpoint on the calendar. I'm doing it. Why? Arbitrary. Um, but then once I told everybody, I said, wow, I probably should like actually do this show. And it was not good. Um, all the, everybody who knew me was like, Hey, uh, what's, what was going on there? You know, like, and I was like, wow, good pro debut. All the judges that you, that have judged you now for years are like, were you okay? You're like, awesome. So, uh, had a horrible pro debut. Um, like everything was off. Like I said at nationals, everything was like on this the next show. Opposite. Everything was off. <laughs> Tan was off. Makeup was off. Hair was off. Posing was off. Looked a mess. Like it was, it was not good. Yeah. I did recover as the season went on. You know, I, I kept dialing it in. Things got a little bit better. Okay, great. Should have said, wow, let me take some time off. No, nope. let's go. Let's keep it, keep it rolling. So kept it rolling next year. <laughs> same thing. Let me just blow my face off, do another prep. And now at this point I'm doing like, you know, 
really low food, really high cardio. My body's not responding. I'm not looking as good. Like it's just like, just not aggressively getting worse and worse. Just Yeah. Now, did I pull it together and did I still end up doing okay? Yes. Because, you know, at some point you, you dig deep and you say, well, got to do it. You know, like I'm already here. I better just fucking make it work. And then, um, I finally, at the end of that, um, the end of 2016 now, I was like, Whew, all right, well, this is, this is unique. Uh, I really might need to take some time. Um, and at that point I had actually suffered like a glute hip, uh, unspecified injury. And it got so bad that, I mean, I was barely hanging on towards the end of my prep. I did my last show in December of that year. Um, and, and then I can barely like sleep. Like it was hurting. So bad. Like, everything was just all fucked up. So for 2017, I pretty much did not compete. I barely trained. I couldn't barely do anything. And that was also like my first year of not being in school for six years. <laughs> so yeah. it was just like, all right, like I'm not competing. I'm in school. Like, what is my life? Um, <laughs> and then my, it was like, okay, this is great. And then um, towards the end of that year, I actually started working with Cliff Wilson and we started, you know, as an off season together, kind of piecing, piecing things back together. Um, and then went all in on my last show season, which was in 2018. I did five shows prep for nine months. Wow. I mean, I, it was the hardest prep, um, but the best that I looked. Um, and then at the end of that, I said, wow, you know, I'm, this has been a lot of years in my life. Um, I'm very aware of my capabilities as an athlete. <laughs> um, at, up until this point, I've probably tapped out what I can do naturally, which is, which is fine. Um, I don't know if I want to, to go on the other side of that, um, for a few reasons and also, not even that, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right. Like I, I was like, do I want to do this anymore? Or am I just doing it because I've been doing it? Um, and it was a lot of a struggle, you know, it was a very internal struggle. And I said, you know what, like, I just need to just, I'm just going to eat, train, live my life, focus business, see what happens. If I get the bug to compete, I will. If I don't, I won't. And I haven't. <laughs> and, um, I have no desire to, um, step on stage at this point. Um, currently I've, started doing jujitsu within this time period. I've really been enjoying that. Um, and I just really enjoy being able to build the business. And now it's different too, because like I said, at the end of when I basically stopped competing, I started bringing on the team of coaches. So now that focus is a little bit different. And um, yeah, that was a wow, longer than probably expected. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I got into me. Um, Jesus so Christ, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually, it actually kind of leads into the next thing that I was going to talk about, which is, um, I was looking at one of your posts, you call it the, the unicorn zone. Um, I want to go into how do you go about finding this unicorn zone? Um, for people who don't know what this is, um, this is actually how I find topics people could go. I kind of just look through all your posts. So I kind of look through all your posts to find topics that way. Um, but it's a, it's a zone where it's that magical balance of where you can still be committed to your health while not becoming obsessive about every little thing. So how do you, how did you go about finding this, this specific unicorn zone and how do you help people find this, find this zone? Yeah, because that's, that's what everybody wants, right? You know, yeah. and uh, this is something that comes up a lot. And I actually had a specific question uh, about this. Like I see all these people and how do they like balance their, you know, nutrition, but they're still really flexible, um, but they have a great body comp and they like, they train, but it's not too obsessive. And it's like, well, you have to first understand that most of the people that you're seeing doing this very extensive background in this. Um, most people who are able to train a few times a week and eat pretty flexibly have ha have a really solid foundation, right? They have a lot of muscle, their metabolism's in check, um, their hormones are likely regulated, and they also have built up these good habits. So their relaxed eating is still substantially different than maybe somebody who's just starting their fitness journey, right? So you first have to look all right, this unicorn magical zone, which we all, which is the ideal that we want clients to get. Um, it, it does, it is going to take some time and it's not something that when you're first starting off, you can likely manage, um, because likely when you're first starting the, what most people are going to have to do is several cycles of 
dieting and reversing and building and, and cutting all of that in order to get to a place where they're comfortable. And then when they're at that place where they're roughly comfortable maintaining, that's when we can focus on that. Um, but I would say that that balance is about figuring out, okay, how, how can I regulate my eating, which is what I started to learn about when I was doing my research. And now we've really extended this as a company. How do I regulate my eating um, without, oh my gosh, like what did I, did I try? my broccoli today? Did I do this? Did I, um, what's in this exactly? Oh, I don't know what's in it. I have like that thinking of tracking is like this super obsessive, rigid tool to move away from that. So what we started doing with clients was adding in a lot more intuitive aspects. Um, now this is not just full-blown intuitive eating. There are certain people who do that. And that's, that, that's great. Um, it works for certain people and that's not for everybody. So when I say more intuitive aspects, that means, all right, we're going to have an untracked dinner or we're going to have a fully untracked day or we're going to focus on habits this week instead, or we're going to oscillate between the two. Or if somebody's just starting, we might just start with habits and then eventually we'll move to tracking and then we'll kind of move away from, right? So there's so many different ways to look at that like balance, but really the crux of the unicorn balance is you're training and you're doing what you enjoy. And now it doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy your training every day, right? There's plenty of days that I wake up yeah. like, Fuck lifting weights. I don't want to do this, but it's about saying, okay, I'm going because I know that I feel my best physically when, and mentally when I train four days a week. So whether I want to do it today or not, it's got to get done because this is one of my four days, but it's not, oh my gosh, that's too much last night. Should I do three hours of cardio today? Should I lift weights every day? Cause I hate myself. Very different situation, right? So you're training in a way that is conducive for your life and your goals. Um, and that's going to look very different for everybody. If you might, you might have to train six days a week because you can only go for 30 minutes. Or you might say, you know, I work with a lot of people who are very, very busy. They have a lot on their plates. They're doctors. They're in flight school. They're doing all this crazy stuff. Like, you know, hey, we don't have all this time, right? So we're going to have to be creative. I can't just say, do you go to the gym for two hours a day? Not realistic. So for those people, it's like, I have so many clients in that situation. Like, all right, what are we going to do that like is conducive for your goals and what you like? Um, so that's the training bucket. So you're moving in ways that you enjoy, that you like, that make you feel physically better um, and also push you to kind of grow. And on the food side, we're really adding in flexibility and that looks different for everybody. Um, for some people, it looks more like they're, you know, restraining on certain areas. For other people, it looks like we're adding in more flexibility, right? But it's about having this healthy, you know, calorie balance for you eating for your goals, but not being so obsessive and rigid that you can't deviate from that ever again. Um, and, you know, it's, it would be great if I could say to everybody like, Hey, um, just isolate yourself for like three months while we like super nail down these habits and don't talk to anybody. Don't go anywhere. And I just want you to lift weights and meal prep and do all this stuff. Like that would be okay. Great. You, you see a lot of results in three months, but guess what happens? Then at some point you have to open that door of those three months and go, wow, the real world is there. Um, and I have to go and see people and I have to travel and I have to do things and I have to work and I have a family and I have friends. Um, and most people don't have those three months, right? So that of course is just a fake situation anyway. So we have to navigate and integrate these habits into people's lives now. And the problem is with having too rigid of rules without taking into context the client situation, you're never going to like, you, it's like the square and the peg or whatever. This, I'm so bad at analogies. Um, put it in the circle in the square peg. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, it's been, I think it's been uh, something, spin the circle peg in a square hole or something it, like that, that. That analogy, you guys fill in the blank. If you're doing that as a coach and completely disregarding the client's schedule or like what they want to do or what they can do, they're never going to see any results. Um, so I have some people who are able to train more based on their schedule. I have some people who are able to train less. I have some people who are like, no, I can totally dial my diet in like training though. Like that's going to be a little bit tougher and then vice versa, right? Like some people, Hey, I can do all this training. So I have a little bit more, you know, I can be a little more relaxed in my diet. And there's so many different ways that we can balance this. Um, but getting to that place, that unicorn place is really the goal. It just might take people a little bit longer than they would like. Um, and the most people that you see doing that right now already have a really big base. So like for me, I've been lifting weights since I was 16. Um, I've been, you know, I was 
I've been tracking my food since I was like 10 years old, whether that was in a, for a good capacity or not. Um, you know, right. So I was always somebody who's very conscious. You couldn't just tell me like, I can't just completely negate those 20 years of education yeah. that I have surrounding food and be like, just eat whatever you want. You know, you know, Anthony, like, you should just be able to just follow your, that's so unfair because I have 20 years of understanding what's in food. Somebody else might've just been like, I, I don't, I've never really paid a lot of attention to this. This is the first time I'm learning about this. I don't know what to eat, which is why I'm reaching out to you, right? Like, so I think that there's, we have to understand where the client is starting. What is going on in their life? Are they somebody who travels a lot? Are they somebody who have, they have four kids? Do they have a really demanding work schedule? Are they doing church? It's like, right? Like, what are they doing? And then we can build the plans around that. Yeah, I am a, I'm a big proponent of actually ranges when it comes to macros. That's the way that I kind of teach a little bit of flexibility is not because with my competitors, absolutely. It's a, you got to hit this number like every day, like, you know what you have to do. Whereas if your lifestyle, it's kind of, you guide them in through like total calories and like protein, like that's kind of how I go. And then I bring in like the carbs and fats. And then it's like, then we go to like ranges and it's like adding in those ranges to not preach that perfection thing. Because if you try to preach that perfection, of them, it's always going to stick with them because the habits that they build with a coach will always stick, like no matter what. Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of, I've been doing this lately. It's just doing the ranges where I'll give them like a 20 gram, kind of like 10, depending on what the macro is, like a specific range to kind of hit. And I yeah, some people, and they feel that's great. great. Yeah. And they feel great. And they get results because they, they have that less stress of not hitting that single number. And that's where the communication on the coaching end comes in. You know, it's having targets, you know, we have to have targets to hit. We have to have something that we can track, right? Like, like as a, as a coach and a client, something to track that's very satisfying. Um, but how we track that and what we track, it can be a host of things. And I was very guilty of this when I first started. And I think a lot of people who would consider themselves use this term loosely evidence-based, right? Air quotes, um, <laughs> evidence-based community, um, to no fault of their own, they're very numbers driven, very data driven. And sometimes that can be to a fault, right? Like not everything has to be a perfect, you can make up a target, you can make up, I want you to track on, I want you to track this thing and I wanna see it on a one to five scale. Like you can still make that up, right? And it, it's gonna depend on the client for some people. What are they struggling with? Are they struggling with meal prep? Okay, that's gonna be different than a client who's struggling to eat. struggling to get to the gym, right? Like if we were just to apply that in a girly, oh, you need to be doing this. And that person isn't even struggling there. Well, then what's the point? Um, so you really have to, as a coach, ha- dial in the communication and the feedback that you're getting from people in order to actually make their program work for them. And then once they've mastered something, great. Then move forward and we master something else. Yeah. I also find, I also agree with the training 100%. I feel like a lot of, there's a lot of coaches that don't listen to the client when it comes to, Hey, how much time do you truly have? It's like most of my lifestyle people have like three days, like maybe four, they might be able to find four, but I'm like, don't even worry about finding four. We'll just stick with three because you're comfortable with three. I'm like, you're going to be way less stressed. You're going to be like, instead of me getting a check-in being like, oh, I miss one of my workouts. It's like, I hit all my workouts. Like there's a difference yeah. between there's two different results between those and those people. I, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is people think that you need to be in the gym every day for hours a day in order to see results. And now there are a subset of individuals who are competitive athletes um, who are going to need to be doing that. Right. And I, I would argue maybe not even physique athletes, maybe like other athletes, but different conversation. Uh, most people do not need to be doing that. And especially if you are a lifestyle client, there is no need to have that failure every week of, like you said, didn't hit four, but I hit three, right? Like that's a totally different conversation. Like, oh, I missed a workout again, or I nailed all of my workouts. Like, and you can make a lot of progress, especially on a three-day full body split. Like people can make great progress. Honestly, even for most of our clients, even competitive athletes, like physique athletes, we have people doing four days a week maybe a fifth day. That's what I do. Most I do people, four. <laughs> yeah. Most people can't recover unless they have, you know, typically if they're younger or they're just in school, you know, and they're not really doing much like, right. Like it's, there's gonna be a subset of people who can, uh, where you have a really like, just kind of a chill job with like extra time. A lot of people don't have that, you know, they have 
demanding jobs. They have commutes. They have families. They have kids. Like they have all these things. It's like this isn't feasible. So why are we trying to make again the square circle thing, whatever that is, <laughs> whatever analogy there? We need to be able to figure out what is going on. Um, and like I said in the beginning, there's some people who like I have a client who she has a very demanding work schedule, um, very demanding. And we are in prep. And you know, I was like, listen, you know, she's like, it's really hard for me to fit in cardio. I was like, we don't have to do any cardio. You're a physique athlete. There, there's no performance requirements. So by doing no cardio though, we're going to have to be a lot more aggressive on the calorie front. It's there's, it's just the yeah, reality. There we go. Yeah. So, so if you don't have the time for the cardio, I'd rather you prior like it's nutrition training than cardio. That's how I prioritize physique sports. Yes. So if we dial in your nutrition and we make sure that you're getting the training in then, okay, like let's, you know, we'll add cardio when we can. If you have extra time that week, we can add extra. But for the majority of the time, like I'm expecting you to only be able to do some sessions on the weekends. And that's okay because we're still going to be able to get stage lean. Um, and it would be really, it wouldn't be fair if I was just like, nope, got to do cardio. You have to do cardio to do lean. All these other girls are doing two hours a day. What are you doing, you lazy bum? And it's like, no, this person's working 10 hour days running multiple businesses. Like just not possible. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so. just going to stress them out even more, which is going to make them hold on to water. So it's just not, it wouldn't be a conducive prep at all. If you yeah. did it that way, I find, I find the best way, the best way to kind of do it is just steps. I'm just like, if you can get in, like if you have time to get in steps, just, just walk. I was like, you don't even have to count them. I was like, go on, like, go on, like however many walks you want to go on per day and just, just enjoy it. I was like, get outside and do that like i don't sometimes you give people step goals i'm just like hey go on like three 20 minutes go on like two 20 minute walks like a day or something like that and yeah the the step count can turn into a whole nother neurosis and i work primarily with women um and a lot of people who are already again the selection bias of who's reaching out to online coach likely going to be a little bit neurotic anyway that's just kind of a subset of people that are coming into online coaching so when you say hey here's a target people get this super target fixation and they're like oh 10,000 steps what about 15 isn't that better and you're like no <laughs> no and they're like oh well my watch broke halfway through the day so I don't even know and it's just ruined you're like what we should be using this as a tool um so one of the things if people are listening and they're interested in tracking steps or how many because you know we be mindful of how much we're moving throughout the day right because some people are moving not at all so you're like they're like oh i got like three thousand you're like whoa okay we could like totally bump that up yeah. <laughs> to a healthier level and i'm guilty of that too a lot of days like if you know some days i'm just <laughs> literally sitting working i have to get like um, five thousand steps in like in the morning to make sure i hit my goal like my coach is my target at like 10 and like on my rest days i don't leave my desk because i do yeah. most of my work on my rest days and i'm just like yeah. oh like, it's like it's like five o'clock and I got like get like five thousand more steps in great yeah you're like shit um so what I would say for people is what I like to do personally um and this seems to be the least neurotic way to handle it is to figure out okay roughly like whatever your step goal might be there's gonna be a range so say you have ten thousand okay the range should be probably about eight to twelve or like some days might be more some days might be less yep. um but what does it look like what does a day look like for me in order to hit so do I need to do 30 minutes of walking do i need to um do i run errands do i go to the gym do i clean the house like, right, like what does that look like if i'm primarily sitting what other activities do i need to do in order to roughly hit those steps people are like oh i was just pacing around my kitchen i don't want that that is that's not good yeah. um now are there some days where you're just like wow i need to do i need to do something and it's raining and i can't go outside so i'm gonna rock some laps around the house okay i get it but if you're doing it because you're like okay 978 oh, got a lot here's the taking the island around you're like no relax um so roughly what do you need to do and i like to look at this as like a habit stacking way so there's a lot of healthy habits that we can put together in the ideal situation so one thing especially with walks so so walks are one, you're getting an activity, so you're getting your steps. Um, two, if you are able to time it with sunrise and sunset, it's going to be good for your circadian rhythm. Yes. So, okay, getting sunlight in early in the morning and later at night is beneficial. So if we can walk while we're doing that, we're hitting both of those. And then if you can time it up around a meal, because after eating, if you do about a 10 minute walk, yep. you can help with blood glucose and insulin control. That's like the bang on, like here's three awesome habits. And let's try and do them all in one thing. Because when you say like, hey, let's hit all this stuff. It's like, 
that's so overwhelming. It's like, no, we, we just knocked it out in two 10 minute walks around mealtime morning and at night. So if we can do that, it sounds way less overwhelming than, okay, go for this many walks, get this many steps in. I want you to do something activity after you eat. And I want you to make sure that you see the sunlight. You're like, well, I can't do that. Well, can you do that this way? And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I find, I find always explaining it like in simple terms, like to people, like a lot of people overthink every single little aspect of it. Like you yeah. said, like they get neurotic about it and they just overthink everything. Like I do it with the scale. Like a lot of the people, like they'll end up getting like, you know, you start that progress and you start to see that great progress. Then you hit like a plateau and everyone gets neurotic about the scale. They're like, oh my God. I'm like, I could literally like, no matter how many times as a coach, I could say, I literally give two shits about the scale. They're like every single week they're checking mentions the scale. And I'm just like, at a certain point, I'll ask them a few questions about it. And then like, I figure out where their mind's at. And I'm just like, fuck it. We're taking this out. I was like, we're just going to go based off your look. And they're like, like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm taking away the scale. I was like, give it like a week. I was like, give it like a few days. You're going to feel a little uncomfortable not waking up and stepping on the scale, but you'll feel fine after that. I was like, you're going to feel way better by not doing it. Yeah. That's one of those things that, you know, is, is very dependent on the person. Um, and like anything, it can go either way. If you say, nope, we're not stepping on the scale. Sometimes for some people that can create more of an issue because then they're like, oh my God, the scale's bad. My weight is bad. For other people, you take it away and they see so much progress because they're not worried about it, right? Like, so it's like, wait, same, same thing, two different responses. And the same client can have those two responses just at different times. So that's, again, where coaching is so important. Like, it's not just do this. Coaching is about suggesting something, giving a protocol, saying, let's try this. And then we adjust based on how you're responding. And that really is a big difference. Um, I don't know if you get a lot of questions about this. You'll be like, oh, what's the difference of like a calculator or like a, like a you know, like an AI type program versus coaching? I'm like, well, you're going to get a program from both, but then those adjustments are going to be based on your feedback. are going to be a lot more personalized with the coach. That's the whole point of it. Um, is to say, all right, how, you know, how are you responding, asking more questions, diving deeper, figuring out, because somebody does something more than once, like maybe not even just a few, but like three, four, five times. I'm like, all right, this isn't just an accident anymore. This isn't like a, a non-significant trend going on here. And then it might be a simple fix or it might be like, wow, we just opened up that one layer of the onion and there's like a hundred more, but we got to dive deeper into this. Yeah. Oh, it froze. <laughs> so I can put oh, it no. I hate I hate when this does this. It always ends up it never happens at like the end, but it always it always happens. Uh but the <laughs> one thing the one thing that I noticed too is um where was I going with this? Is fuck, I totally lost thought. Great, nice. All right. Um, talking about onions, I don't know. <laughs> we were talking about onions, yeah, that's a great thing. Um no, well, I want to tie this back in. I think I think we kind of got the point over with with like all that and getting to that unicorn zone, I kind of want to touch on one last question. And I found this post, I, I went deep into, I went deep into the Instagram rabbit hole of your page. Um, and I found like a post about you hiking and you talked about, and you talked about seeking validation. Mm. Um, yeah. I kind of want to ask you, this is kind of deep to get at the end of the, to get to the end of the podcast. No, we're good. But I was like, but I was like bringing back kind of your, you're going pro and then getting into like the pro getting into like the pro like ranks and the pro am and like going through all those shows. Like how much in life do you think that we, that we seek validation? Like, was that based on, like, do you think that decision for you to kind of go pro um, to kind of do those pro shows and continue to keep dieting was kind of that, that seeking validation and seeking that relevancy? Wow. So that, first of all, that, that was a deep dive. Now I will, to be fair, I, really posted a lot in the past like year plus like I've been really off my content so it probably wasn't that far back but that was in 2019 I want to repost it I felt like that was a pretty good like I wrote it was a good post (laughs) I saved it (laughs) thank you um so for reference I was in Seattle my friend uh, me and my friend Cody uh, McBroom were doing an event together and so I, I went up a little bit early and um I have family who extended family who lives who lives over there 
they were like, yeah, yeah, just take the car. And if you want to go hiking, you know, like I was like, I want to go hiking. So I went, uh, I have no idea where it fucking was, but it was like a 45 minute drive. Um, I went by myself to this, like to hike this waterfall for like two hours <laughs> and for a rough time though. So I had just gotten Doc Martens, which are now I wear them like basically every day, which are like my favorite shoes. Um, but I just gotten them <laughs> and you know, the, there's a whole break-in process. If anybody's not aware of how Doc Martens work, they're very comfortable once they're broken in, but to break them in, it takes some time. And I, I had the best idea. I'll just wear them to hike to really break them in. <laughs> I, I still, I have scars on my feet for how bad, oh like God. the blister, I could barely walk down. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to take my shoes. I have no idea what this is going to look like. I couldn't wear shoes for like a week. Anyways, totally worth it. The hike was amazing. I wrote this whole little journal post of like what I was reflecting on. Um, I'll have to find that. I wrote that somewhere. Anyways, um, the validation. For me, which I guess this could kind of tie into validation. I felt like once I attached, once I, okay, finished 2018 um, and I really detached and said, all right, I, I'm, I'm taking off time for an extended period of, I don't know how long right? I, I'm not playing my next show, my next, my next season. I, I'm just going to take off until it feels right. And what I really struggled with, really struggled with initially in that one year that I was forced to take off with the injury in 2017 was less about validation and more about my identity, which of course, I guess is they're, they're kind of tied in. Um, but for so many years, I was student athlete, student athlete, student athlete. That was what I was everywhere I went. Oh, when's your next show? And anybody who's ever competed understands that. You, when's your next show? How's prep going? How's this? How? What are you doing? It's always about this. So you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be doing this. I have to stay in it. And then, of course, as a coach who started with this heavy competitive background and was working with competitors, it felt like, oh my gosh, well, I don't, if I'm not doing that, well, who's going to want to work with me? And who's going to want to work with our um, and I felt, I did feel very, very pressured in 2019 when I decided, okay, what do I want to do? I, I felt very pressured to, do I get back on stage just for the sake of this? Do I get back on here just so I can, you know, get clients? Are people going to not recognize us as serious or whatever? You know, like all these logical thoughts, but like, if, am I not going to even be recognized? Um, not necessarily like personally, but about a team like are we not going to have inquire like all these kinds of thoughts and I was like no no that's that's not the best part of what I do or what our team does that's a part of um and competing was part of my identity for many years um just like Venus was but it's kind of morphed into more than that and I would say that it was certainly a process of figuring out what I wanted like who I wanted to be, what I wanted to represent in the industry. Cause for so long I represented one thing and now, okay, I'm going to represent something else. And that was, that was really scary. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was a big, that was a big change, especially when you're bringing people on. That's a huge risk now. It's not just about me. The, the team is no longer about me. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with ups and downs. It's not just about me. It's about them how do I protect the company as a whole and move them forward as a whole while I'm figuring this out? So that was very scary, but I knew that if I did it just for that reason, it was going to be awful. If I was just getting on stage um, because I was Lauren, the competitor, or this might help our business, I knew that that was going to be a really bad prep. And that was also going to put me like, who, who am I then? Right? Like that's just, that just yeah. didn't sit right with me. Um, so I would say it was a little bit less about validation and more about kind of the identity which again they do tie in um but i think that figuring out okay well who am i what what do i represent who, what do i represent as a person what do we represent as a company and needing to figure that out because i kind of didn't have to figure that out for a long time i um you know the more that i learned about business and the more that i invest which is looping looping all the way back to the beginning the more that i invest into the business and um you know business coaching and understanding all this stuff you know, all these things that everybody, you know, talks about starting from the beginning, like, you know, your mission statement, like your why, what does the company represent? I didn't have any of that, like none of it. I started a business because somebody asked me if they wanted to be my, I could be their coach. I said, okay, I'll be your coach. That's how I started. 
I didn't have these grand plans of anything. I just said, I'll do. and I literally for years when I had the business, I didn't even think I was going to be doing this. I was, oh, I'll just do it for now. Probably do something else. Didn't know what that was, but I'll probably do something else. And then the student athlete identity kind of worked for the business, you know? Oh, you know, I'm Laura. This is Team Local Fit. Like I compete. Um, I do science. Like we kind of blend it all. Cool. Right. Like that worked for many yeah. years. And then when I stopped, I was like, wow what what do we represent that's only a part of represent so it's taken a lot of uh thought reflection detaching growing all these types of things um but i finally feel confident in the place that we are and the impact that we're having um and that's always change and evolve um but it you know competing and being a competitor is a great part of that, but it's only one part. And now I can say with confidence that I feel confident as a coach to still coach people to stage, even though I'm not actively competing. And I think for a long time, I wasn't, it just, it was a reflection of, am I confident in my ability to do that or not? And not to say that I, again, I might compete again. Actually, I have some, I have some guys trying to get me to do it, which that would probably be the only time I get back on stage. They were like, if we turn pro, you have to compete again. Which I'm really excited. So like, I can't say no to that, you know. So, <laughs> so to be determined after this summer. But um, I guess I wouldn't be too mad if that was the reason I got on stage. Um, but it's it's been it's been a whole like exploratory process, I guess. And I'm you know doing things backwards, I guess, in comparison to some other people. But here we are. <laughs> uh, don't we always? I feel like we all just more so enjoy the work and not really focus in on like our identity like we kind of just like do coaching like rather than yeah. just like figure things out like I didn't figure my shit out for like a year like my brand didn't come until like a year after like I even started coaching so it's like it's like what do we do we yeah. just help and that's not what you know I I don't think it's bad advice but I think that when people are first starting it's not really necessary either you no. know figure out if you're a good coach first that's number one you know like you should be to be a good coach before you have a great website and the perfect mission statement and and all that like once you're trying to go and and all yeah certainly and i'm not saying that's a bad thing to start out with like if you have that and it's super clear and you understand it go with it um but for a lot of people they're not starting in that position it's like hey just start figure out how to be a good coach first and then that kind of stuff will follow yeah so I know you're busy, so we're we're at the end. Um, I close I close every single podcast out with the same three questions with every single guest. So first question is, um, what three things do you want people to leave with after listening to this episode? Uh, I would, I guess, for what we kind of ended with, um, you know, really figure out what if if your identity is tied to something that you, whether or not, you know not saying that you have to have an identity around something, but, um, or be so tied to one thing, but figure out if, if what it is that you're currently doing is working for you. Um, and really kind of explore that and figure out, think I need to, or is this actually what I want to be doing? Um, and how I want to be leading, like, is this congruent with my values as a person and as a business? So that'd be number one. Number two, as coaches, I think the industry needs a lot more people who are willing to, um, I just made a post on this the other day, like observe patterns. Um, this is actually an idea that I got from Brett Weinstein. He mentioned it like just loosely in a podcast. And he was like, observing patterns is part of having a scientific mindset. And I fucking that because we've gotten so off the rails with, in my opinion, the science community sometimes be so held so tightly by like, is there a paper? Are there five citations? There's not a meta-analysis. I'm not doing it. And we're completely disregarding. Well, what if 20 clients had the same experience here like are we are we just going to completely ignore that pattern like yep. I'm not saying it, it's perfect for everybody but there has to be something here so don't as coaches be aware of everything that your clients are telling you it doesn't mean you need to make changes based on all of those things but you do need to be able to observe those patterns um, and adjust your coaching criteria that way and that's honest I think the best coaches do that without knowing it, or maybe they do know it. Um, and I would say that just kind of the best practitioners, whether it's scientists, coaches, people in any industry, that's, that's really what we need more of is kind of that, that way of thinking. Um, and then lastly, again, as a thing that I kind of just see as a trend in the industry is 
is being able to focus on diet flexibility with clients. And um, again, not being so rigid um, with certain aspects and not being rigid doesn't mean doing whatever you want. It's quite the opposite. You still have to have restraint, even though it might be flexible restraint, Um, but you're setting up for failure if you're not giving them the tools to handle life outside of a perfect plan. And that's really what I want everybody to take away from not just this, but kind of any information that we put out um, is there's a hundred ways to do something and figuring out how to make that work optimally for a client is the most important thing. Awesome. Uh, Next one. I think you're going to like this question. Uh, What three books and or podcasts would you recommend everybody that read or listen to? Okay. Number one, extreme ownership. I recommend this to everybody. It's like my most recommended book. Um, and I love it. Like people pretty much tag me in like that book, 12 rules for life and like man search for meaning. I'm like, man, I've done a good job. Those are the big times. Those are three, those are three of my, the, I actually haven't, I actually haven't read extreme ownership. I read Dichotomy of Leadership, but I haven't read Extreme okay. Ownership. Okay, very good. But I read um, the other two. <laughs> yeah, the, honestly, they're all great, but I would just say start with Extreme Ownership. Everything kind of comes back to that. So um, I would definitely recommend any of those three books that I just mentioned, 12 Rules for Life and also Man's Search for Meaning. Um, those are all really, really great reads. As far as um, other content goes, uh, we kind of mentioned some of them in the beginning. You know, Jordan Peterson is a great starting place. Um he's somebody who you need to listen to the full content. You can't just listen to clips. So be prepared for, you know, at least an hour of your time. Um, but I would say that all of the good people are going to be like that. Um, any highly intellectual person, like there's so much nuance that you're not able to really just kind of get like a short little clip from them. You know, you're going to need the full explanation and all the kind of caveats. Um, so that's a great, um, he has a great podcast and just, you know, his, he has full, uh, college courses basically on YouTube so you can't ask for more than that like it's like literally going to back to school if you want to you can watch the lectures and take notes like and you feel like you're a part of it um that's a really great thing one of my other favorite things that he's put out which I recommend to so many people is understandmyself.com um and he basically has taken the big five personality traits um and he's done a lot of personality research so they put a lot of um, like there's so many different, oh, I'm, I'm this, uh, like personality quizzes or tests or whatever, but this one actually is, is very scientifically validated and it's like 10 bucks and it gives you like this, like 15 page printout. And I think that it's really, really useful. And it's a great way of being able to understand not only yourself, but other people, because you can kind of see on that scale of these big five personality traits, how people fall in. And then I find that people are able to communicate a little bit better because of that. Um, so that's really, really great. Um, uh, Andrew Huberman has an amazing podcast as well. He's been one of my favorite, he started it this year. Um, and he was one of my favorite people ever to like listen to on other people's podcasts. Yes. So then when he started his own, I was like, yes. So he's a nerd. Um, and he basically kind of makes it like he's teaching a course. So he's, um, a professor out of Stanford. He teaches and he runs two labs. So, but his teaching experience allows him to explain things like neuroscientists in very neuroscience, like neuroscience, this is why I'm not a neuroscientist, (laughs) things like neuroscience in a very easy to understand way. Um, And he, like, he'll spend about like a month on a topic. So you, you really understand it before you're just kind of like ping-ponging to different ideas. So he has amazing content. I would highly recommend it. It's called the Huberman Lab podcast. Um, I don't know. Those are some great resources. Just start there. (laughs) I try to share a lot on my social um, because people are always asking me for some reason. I don't know, like, what books are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you? I'm like, oh, God, okay. Um, (laughs) I don't love listening to books. I find that I can listen to podcasts and I can listen to lectures. I need to read. It is so hard. Uh, Extreme Ownership is a really good audio book because Jocko and Leif read it and they have very good reading voices. Like I could, they could talk about paint drying. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Like, (laughs) fuck yeah. Like they just have really good voices. Um, Another book that I loved or that I read last year or listened to, which I actually still got the book because I wanted to support them, um, was Coddling of the American Mind totally different topics um but Jonathan Haidt and George Lukianoff I might have said that wrong um they put together a really really great book and um Jonathan Haidt in particular puts out really awesome stuff that I like he's a moral psychologist and um so he studies a lot of the morality between just kind of like social you know issues and politics and all those different types of things and 
um, coddling is more about kind of like where we are as a society now and, and the research on like, just, oh, the research is very alarming with social media and especially teens, uh, so much stuff. So get that book. Another great author, Cal Newport. I know I, I go, this is why people love me because I, <laughs> Cal Newport puts out amazing books. Awesome and I, oh my God, he's just such a good writer. I'll stop there. There's a lot there, guys. <laughs> uh, but I guess you can message me if you've blown through that list. Um, it's funny, I have got that. Like, I've read through all the suggestions. What do you say next? I'm like, damn, okay. <laughs> you listened. Um, last question is probably going to be the easiest question that you answer the whole the whole podcast. Um, where can people find you? Instagram, oh. coaching, uh, your Got time it. to do shameless plugging. All right. I was like, I normally mess up these like easy, fun. I hate the fucking like, it's a fun question. I'm like, nope, don't answer it. Like, I'm going to mess it up. So. <laughs> Um, so where can people find us? Uh, my personal Instagram is at Lauren Conlin. So L-A-U-R-I-N-C-O-N-L-I-N. Um, I occasionally post, so I hope that's where I put most of my information. I would say that the majority of our content is on the Team Local Fit Roundtable. That is the podcast that I host along with the other coaches. We have a therapist on our team as well. So he comes on about every month and then we occasionally have guests too. Um, so that's on Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. And then lastly, our website has everything. So teamlocofit.com. It has the, where you can apply for coaching. We have some different products with training programs and books. Um, we also have a free newsletter. Where we put out an educational article and a free workout every week. Um, and then lastly, you can find the podcast on there too. So just remember teamlocofit.com. And you'll find everything on there. <laughs> awesome. I'll link that. I'll link that down in the show notes, guys, so you guys are able to see that. Um, lastly, if you guys did enjoy this episode, um, it'd be great if you guys share it on your Instagram stories, tag me and Lauren, uh, show us that you guys are actually listening because we really appreciate it. Um, they probably turned it off because I was just talking nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> if you swipe, if you swipe all the way down, go leave like a five star rating. Go leave a review. Um, lastly, subscribe to the podcast because it helps me get great guests like Lauren on the show. Um, so. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast. Thanks so much.